Simplified Chaos, episode 127. Life is beautiful and full of chaos. And it can get slightly out of hand if that shit's not tamed. We're here to share how to simplify the little things to help you lead a more intentional life. This is Simplified Chaos. Wonderful friends, welcome to Simplify Chaos. This is Jillian, one of your hosts. And hosts oh, can't talk. Man, this is two weeks in a row. <laughs> I know, right? Last week you were my cousin. <laughs> it yeah. was bad. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm with my husband and co-host Nicholas. What's going on, folks? We've got another amazing episode here for you today. This one is an interview episode. Jilly, who'd you talk to? This week, it was so wonderful to talk to Maggie Williams. So Maggie is a wife, a mama of two. She is an intimate artist specializing in birth and parenthood photography. And I think what first captured my attention were were literally just her photos and the captions that went with it. They were so real, so raw, you know, describing anywhere from birth photos to postpartum bodies. And it was just... I was just drawn to her energy that she put out into the world. And it was so special because she also lives not far. She lives in Virginia, not far from our new home. And this has been my first chat face-to-face real person to real person since the pandemic happened. And it was, it was so magical to have her in her home and just to learn more about her and just to kind of get that real in-person energy going you know, not saying Zoom isn't lovely, but it's it's been, it was really nice to do it, you know, face to face. Awesome. Yeah. You're going to love her story, y'all. Like, she talks about her marriage. She talks about her life story. She's really real and raw about all of the details. And I love that she shares the messiness because I think that's how we all connect and really learn from each other. So I know it's a long intro, but it's worth it. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, everybody, well, grab your popcorn or keep your eyes on the road, and here is Jill's interview with Maggie. Hey, everybody, welcome to Simplify Chaos. This is Jillian, and I'm so, so stoked to have Maggie Williams here on the podcast. <laughs> Happy to be here. All right, before we jump into learn all about you, um, and I have so many questions, uh, we love to start with gratitude. So what is one thing you are grateful for today? Well, I was thinking about the this this morning and it is the internet and social media because (laughs) it has brought us together today um yeah during this past year i feel like i've made multiple friends through social media and it's been pretty awesome to start actually meeting people in person i met a i had a photographer friend who's local that we met virtually and did virtual calls every few weeks and i finally met her in person a couple weeks ago and then I found who I call my uh, birth worker soulmate <laughs> through, <laughs> through social media. She's down in Florida. We haven't met yet. Wow. Um, but we just, we have so much in common down to like the socks that we choose oh and our camera straps and <laughs> camera bags. Never, ever planned out, but we'll see like each other's pictures. Be like, I have that one. So it's, I've been really grateful for the internet and social media keeping me connected and making new friends during this past pandemic year. And I'm really excited to, to be here and meeting you in person. Hey, that's so funny. You said that because we, I met somebody through a Facebook group, our babysitter last night was our first babysitter and she is a mom with a little three-year-old boy. And she came in and was like, Oh my God, I had the same rug. And I'm like, ruggable has so many patterns. Like how in the world she was like, I don't know, but I need that couch. I'm getting decorating ideas. Like a lot of things were like syncing up. I'm like, okay, we have a lot in common. This is pretty cool. (laughs) Universe is bringing you together. That's awesome. Oh, but, um, I love that gratitude segment and I'm just going to be really grateful for you making the trek here. I know it, your commute's like, what, a half hour? It was half an hour, yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for you getting in the car and coming here and meeting a complete stranger, quote unquote. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so happy you're here. Yay, real people in real life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, um, so I guess I just want to start and we'll see where it pivots from there. Okay. Just to share your story and you can start wherever you feel it's necessary, whether that's meeting your partner or starting a business, like wherever you feel is like a great place to like plot down. Um, I just want to know like what your story is, what brought you here today. And 
I just, yeah, just let it flow out as it does. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> so I think I'll go back to like right before I became a parent, um, because that's really the part that comes after that has really <laughs> influenced where I am and uh, the work that I do uh, professionally and also the creative work um, that I do just for myself. So um, I went to University of Virginia, which is local. And in my last semester, I met my current husband. So I had big plans to go work overseas. I'm a, a dual major in global development studies and sociology with a minor in African studies. Holy cow. But then I met him and I fell in love pretty immediately. <laughs> and at the time he was working um, in Buckingham County, which is actually where I'm from. Um, but because he had an established job, you know, I didn't want to go very far. And we actually got married uh, 11 months into our, well, actually right before a year. So okay. uh, it was real fast. So straight out of college, got married, got pregnant like mm. a month and a half later. <laughs> um, we bought our first house and my, my baby came early uh, in the middle of moving day. Uh, <laughs> we were in between homes. So we had to move from one house to another for a month and a half before we closed on our current house. So that was just like a really wild <laughs> transition kind of a, a messy transition into parenthood. Um, so at the time I didn't have a, even though I grew up in the community, most of my close friends have moved away. Mm -hmm. My husband left before sunrise, uh, came home after sunset for his job. Uh, so like I was very isolated. Um, and also what I discovered years later was I had postpartum or perinatal depression and anxiety during my pregnancy that went undiagnosed and that carried over into the postpartum. Um, so I had a really rocky start into motherhood and, um, so all of that kind of informs my business as a photographer. Uh, so that's like a little snippet, but even, even before I got to photography, I started as a, a birth doula. And that came about after my second birth, where I chose to birth at home for a variety of reasons. And I had such a great experience with my midwife. Like, I'm a, I'm a people person, I value relationships, and I was able to have one with my midwife. So every step of the way, I felt like I was in control of the process as much as you can be during, mm -hmm. during labor. Mm -hmm. And then I had this person who I really trusted. Uh, and that birthing experience was just so phenomenal and completely different from my first birth, which my first birth wasn't bad, but I describe it as okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it was okay. Fortunately, not traumatic, but you know, birth can be better. And I learned that mm -hmm. after my, my second birth. Uh, and that's what led me to the path of becoming a doula because not everyone can choose an out of hospital birth and, but everyone should have that established relationship with at least one person in the room who knows a little bit about birth, uh, to help them feel safer and more empowered. So Amen. I wanted to be able to do that, uh, for other people in my community and through there, um, my path started towards photography. I brought my camera to births if parents wanted me to, and I kind of learned on, on the job until I uh, decided to take some actual like certification courses and everything. And you know, the rest is history, but I choose to focus on parenthood photography because I had such a rough beginning into parenthood. So um, like m my early years with my kids, I was in a deep depression and just didn't know it. I'm very lonely. But what got me through the day was one, the creative aspect of taking pictures. I had a little point and shoot camera and like didn't know what I was doing. But I took a lot of pictures of my son and the excitement I would feel at the end of, end of the day when I could go through them all just reminded me that even though like the day was like mind numbingly boring for me <laughs> and, and lonely, that they're like, they're still this beautiful little baby 
in my life. Um, and also now that I'm kind of years removed from the really early years, uh, I still sometimes struggle with like the, the guilt of feeling like I missed so much of their childhood that my depression has impacted my kids. There's no way that it hasn't. Um, but I can now go back and look at these pictures and like realize that everything wasn't mm. necessarily like completely doom and gloom. And like there were beautiful moments and um, it helps me kind of relive and heal from, from that time. So in my work, like I want to be able to give parents the same sort of gift. Not everyone's going to have postpartum depression or anxiety anxiety or like the same experience that I have, but to some degree, there's probably going to be days that like are just like really long and stressful or where (laughs) your mind is muddled and can't remember. Um, so to whatever degree that people, parents are facing that, like, I feel like photography can help them relive those days and see the beauty that's existing regardless of everything else that's going on. It, it kind of gives you an aerial view, like the view that you can't see because it's yes. like in the mundane, it's like you just see what's in front of you. But if you step out and look at your life, you're like, wow, it really is magical. And mm-hmm. it's not it's not so heavy as it feels in that moment. But I love, it almost seems like finding your outlet, like your creativity was almost like therapy to helping you heal oh, through completely. it. Like just finding what you're passionate about and like, trickling that in your day which I think can be so hard in motherhood because you can get so lost in just being a mom and not saying that just being a mom isn't a good thing but I think you lose a sense of yourself and I feel like I'm in that stage right now Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to rediscover what did I do as a kid like what Uh made me excited what gives me goosebumps now when I get involved like it's it's a hard balance like trying to like find yourself back but Mm -hmm. still being a mom at the same time and it sounds like photography was like that outlet for you to kind of just heal and find things that were fun for you. Absolutely. Yes. So we kind of connected about this podcast because of my self-portraiture work. And that um, is exactly what you're saying is just like, even when I'm not working with my clients, which I love, like sets my heart on fire to do that work. But um, even beyond that is the creative aspect and um, kind of carving out that time to play around and get to know myself and process feelings and uh, through self-portraiture. And yeah, it's, it's been an interesting process to learn, but it's definitely, it's grounding. Like it, you know, I can do self-portraits of me as a mom, but I can also do ones that help me discover myself outside of that or, and like I shared one photo, I guess it's been a couple of years now, gosh. But when I first started my self-portrait work, I took a photo of me just like dancing um, in front of my bedroom, uh, my, my bathroom mirror. And I had put on like a really tight dress and felt like pretty sexy in it. And like, it's one of my favorite photos, but it, it, it brought me past the days of just being a mother, but reminding me of all the days where I used to go out dancing. Like dancing's always been really important um, to me. And like the best part of being a young adult and my college years and going out and just like moving my body. And I always felt powerful and sexy and like the most confident in myself when I was on the dance floor. And so like, being able to remind myself of that and capture it in, in portraiture and like outside of like being a mother. And so. when I was, for anyone who was listening, I did this, like I just had up this tripod I set up and it was one of those days where I was just mm-hmm. feeling disgusting. Like I may have been bloated, just like, you know, not appreciative of my body. And I just took off whatever I was wearing and I was in my underwear and skibbies. And I was like, I'm going to just... Yes get crazy wild and do my version of whatever sexy is, which I'm horrible at like doing anything remotely, like open mouth. I'm like, yeah, that's just not me. (laughs) So I just had fun. Like you said, it just got crazy. And it was 
that hump of like discomfort that like, oh, you're vain or mm-hmm. like, why are you doing like you have like, it's so much bigger. You just have to get over those fears of like doing it. But mm-hmm. you're right. Like looking back, like I took a video of it and I was just snapping shots. And I was like, this was, it literally took two minutes of my time. Um, and then afterwards, just looking at it and reflecting, I was like, my body is beautiful the way it is. Like I could just get my sense of like silliness in it and just like, it made that small moment of like, however I felt about my body just disappear. I'm like, cause it gave you like that aerial view. Like my life is wonderful. I have a body, I have fingers, I have toes, I have hair. Like it just makes those small little things that you pick apart at yourself just immediately disappear in photography. I don't know what it is about it, but it definitely like did a lot of self healing for me and my body, especially mm-hmm. for those days where I just felt frumpy or something. And yeah, so it was neat that you said, oh, I, I did one of those and I looked at your video and I read your blog about it. And I was like, I wish more moms would do this because I have a feeling there's so many women out there who just see their body as just, it's not what it used to be. And mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. And with where it's me, it's like, you know, I have scars from certain surgeries before having Lucille and I don't have any stress marks, but my, you know, my boobs are definitely not as perky. <laughs> and it's like, this is just a sign about like how my life's evolved and nothing mm-hmm. is supposed to be forever. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was so beautiful reading that, that journey you had through that experience. I just thought it was really magical. Thank you. Well, you said a couple things I want to comment on. So, um, discovering that taking these self portraits aren't vain. And like for me, I mean, I grew up taking selfies before selfies were a thing, but there was always in the back of my head, a little bit of like shame about mm-hmm. it and thinking like, Oh, if my parents see these, they are probably going to think I'm vain or, you know, but like for me it was, yes, I was appreciating my looks and ultimately further down the line, it's like, what is wrong with appreciating your looks? And it wasn't until a handful of years ago, um, a friend shared a selfie of herself and was like, this is self-care, this is self-love. And someone else commented and was like, how, how is that? And like her response completely changed my perspective on selfies and self-portraits because it it is a practice of self-love and, or even just self-acceptance because knowing what you look like, what your body looks like and understanding that your worth is not tied up in that. And regardless of what your body looks like, it allows you to do so much. And like, there's a lot of gratitude to be held in that. And you know, if you see the pictures of yourself and that does make you feel good, even better. And just feeling more at home with yourself. And, um, you know, the first time that I truly took an intentional self-portrait was after I was watching a photography educator's class on how she photographed postpartum moms and their Mm -hmm. bellies. And what had driven her project really resonated with me. Um, Her intention was to take these pictures of these moms, give them to them, have them look at them regularly so that, you know, once they're out of that haze and like a year down the line, when they look at their body, they're not surprised. Like they already know who they are. They, they know how their body's transformed. And for me, they, I haven't had a whole lot of like body image issues, but I have felt so unfamiliar in my body because my body has changed um, after having kids and it will continue to. And I just felt really unfamiliar and out of touch. But I was watching her share these photos of these other moms and I was just like, in love with all the soft tummies and the stretch marks and just like, ah, oh, this is so beautiful. And then it finally, finally clicked. It's like, I'm ooing and aahing all over these other postpartum bellies. What about mine? Yeah. So it was at that point that I, you know, clumsily set up my tripod and <laughs> like fumbled around with all of that and took some, some pictures that focused actually just on my midsection And then the editing part for me was just really special because one, I like the editing part of photography and making photos really come alive. Um, But also it forced me 
to look at myself and to get to know each of the little marks on my tummy and my thighs and to, it was the first time I saw my body differently. And it's just like, you know, yes, my body's changed, but it's still beautiful and still holds so much power and allows me to take care of my, my children and my family and other people. And to me, that's just really special and what life is about really. Oh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> and it, it's something that like, unless you grow up just learning about, like you said, how to get to know your body, we're not taught this. It's like, mm-hmm. here's a human body. Here's a diagram. It's, there's no self exploration. It's like a very, you know, hush hush topic yeah. of even like exploring yourself. But th- this reminded me of something I did when I was younger, which is kind of reminds me of just like self exploring. I would find all of the weird quirks of my body when I was younger and I would tell my sister about them because I said, in case there's an alien who comes and looks just like me, I want you to know about like this mole in my yes. head, this mole under my armpit. And it was such like looking back, it, it kind of gives me goosebumps now. It's such a fun practice to like just find your quirks and see the beauty in them now, like even as kids and gamifying it. So that way you like just have appreciation for like the uniqueness of yourself and your body. And yeah, that's, we just don't do that as adults at all, unless Mm-mm. you have some kind of like spiritual awakening that like, I'm beautiful and I'm going to like embrace everything. And it's definitely an active practice and, you know, it, it ebbs and flows like, yeah. you know, I, I'm happy that most of the time I feel pretty comfortable in my body, but there are definitely like lower days where I struggle with one part, but I've learned enough now to just like acknowledge like, okay, you're feeling this way. Like we're not going to put a lot of thought into it. We're just going to coast through the day and trust that tomorrow, like it's going to be different and sometimes you know like through self-portraiture like if I'm in a slump that alone can like refresh me and revitalize um but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's definitely a process and I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lifelong process and because bodies continue to change and while like aging is definitely a privilege in our culture it's also not something you know, as bodies change with age, it's not always appreciated. So like existing in a, a culture with that messaging, it's of course we're going to have to continue working throughout our life to kind of accept and appreciate our bodies where they are. Yes. So true. And I'm glad you said that because it's like not every day is the same. And I think what you kind of bring to the table is that photography and it's not nearly as beautiful as your photography and edited but it's such a simple tool that we have at our fingertips that we use to like look at other people's lives and comment about theirs but instead using it as a tool to take that view of ourselves and just to love on ourselves through photography Mm -hmm. and just appreciate everything we have with those days that are not always going to be feeling like super high yeah (laughs) um and our families definitely will value those photos as well. So I got started in self-portraiture by being invited into a self-portrait group. And there were plenty of professional photographers in it. But then there were just a lot of moms who some would take pictures on their phone or whatever cam- camera that they had that they were still learning. And every photo that they produced is just like, you know, maybe it's not as polished for lack of a better word as a professional but it's inherently beautiful and it's one that their families will cherish as well so I feel like it's just as much for us as it is for our families and I tell people I'm like just just get get in the frame um because you're even if you have a day where you're kind of not feeling great about yourself, that's not what your kids are going to see. That's not what your partner is going to see. Mm. That's not what they're going to remember years from now when they're looking at those photos. They're going to remember like how they felt that day and everything they love about you. That's so true. And thinking like my home videos, my dad, he would always manage to find <laughs> his way in the frame just because he's like the center of attention guy, like quirky. And that's probably why I get a lot of my quirkiness. But my mom like would always be like, no, no. Like I think because she was just like, I don't like the way I look today. And uh-huh. 
it kind of like forces me, like you said, to get in the frame more and just to be in those moments and to like remember those moments of what I look like and the feeling behind. And I love how you're very much about the emotion that, and I don't think everyone looks at pictures as art, maybe because they don't consider themselves a photographer, but I love that you just call photos art. It just makes it seem so much more open and welcoming mm -hmm. and special and just to appreciate you know, the uniqueness of bodies or people or relationships. And there's a quote, so I wrote quotes that you yeah. had, cause I'm like, your oh. captions were just like, it was therapy. Like, I feel like you could take some of the captions and put it in like a, a table, a coffee table book just to read. Oh, thank you. But like, you just, you really focused on what you called imperfect art and just finding beauty mm -hmm. and tenderness amidst the mundane and chaos. And to me, that's where I feel like I'm in right now. And it's so wonderful to be in this stage because it just makes everything around you that seems ordinary, extraordinary. And the mundane is, you know, something that I feel like, especially right now, it's even stay at home moms, but even working moms, like being on autopilot, doing uh -huh. the same things, it like just makes you be more hyper aware of like your surroundings and take notice of like small moments or things in your day. Um, so yeah, yeah, I wrote a bunch of your quotes. I'm like, that's beautiful. I'm gonna write that down. Oh, that's beautiful too. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Okay, um, so amidst all of this journey that you're going through, like what fuels you to keep going? Oh, goodness, <laughs> what fuels me? Um, I feel like I inherently like don't like don't want to give up. Like my, my husband like laughs at me because I say I'm a quitter because as a kid, like I was a quitter. I didn't like doing things that didn't come easily to me or that I wasn't perfect with. Um, but ultimately when I step back and like look at the parts of my life that are most important, which are my relationships, particularly with my, my kids and my family, but also with friends, um, is I cannot like quit on that. And I cannot show up for the people in my life if I'm not showing up for myself. Mm. So I feel fortunate that like some of that is kind of hardwired into me for better or for worse. Like there have definitely been times where it's like, okay, maybe this relationship should end and I should like stop on it. But as, as far as like the, the core relationships in my life and even with my husband, because we went through some really tough years, but like, that like core wiring to just keep going is what kept us together. And now it's just like, I don't want to settle for unhappiness or boredom. Um, because I, I've since learned in the, in my past nine years of motherhood is like, I cannot take care of my family if I'm not taking care of myself. So like, making the time for me is ultimately going to benefit everyone and just like having learned that fact that's what I guess keeps me keeps me going and keeps me plugging away and just like even when I'm in a period of confusion with what direction I want to take my life it's I've learned like okay we're not just going to sit here and wait for it we're going to like continually explore different paths and keep working on myself as well to so we can keep moving forward and progressing towards more and more like happy days and everything yeah. how i know there may be some people out there that like like literally how do you make time for yourself <laughs> like i always say like open communication has been so powerful for our my mm -hmm. marriage just voicing to my husband how my hormones are feeling that day, mm -hmm. what I need, like just expressing yes. my needs and wants. And I know that sounds so simple, but it's just transformative once I tell him like, if I don't get this for me right now, like it's not gonna be good <laughs> down the long run. Mm -hmm. So I just wanna know, I know everyone probably has their own ways, but like how do you intentionally schedule time for yourself when you feel like you need it? Yeah, so that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. Uh, I view myself like, as a caretaker, that's what I've been my entire life. And that really hit the extreme once I got married and once I had kids. And I think a lot of new parents struggle with like being able to take space 
for themselves. And I very much like, I remember, I see all your like outings to local vineyards and everything. <laughs> and I like, I have this very vivid memory of leaving my son. He probably wasn't quite one or had just turned one, but we went, my husband and I went to a local vineyard and left him with my folks. But like even the whole time there, I just remember feeling wrecked with guilt. Not even so much that I missed him, but it's just like I saw another family with a baby and it's like, we could have brought him. Like <laughs> it is possible. We could have done this date, but brought him with us. And it's just like, I had the hardest time accepting that I had to take space for myself. And for me, honestly, it was, things got really bad and I started seeing a therapist. And through that work, um, I eventually learned the lesson and started um, taking space for myself in small ways and then saw, would see that um, pay off. But today, like very much what you said is communication and um, direct communication because sometimes I, I am guilty of like expecting my husband to like pick up on things or if I give him some information expecting him to put it <laughs> all the way together and that doesn't always work out no <laughs> um so I've I've learned um to communicate when I'm feeling like lower or more irritable um and to also say like I need you to be like the parent in charge. And I'm very fortunate to have uh, a husband who is very involved with the family, who because of this past year has been able to start working from home. And he is also very much committed to the self-work himself. Mm -hmm. um, and earlier on in our relationship, that was not the case. So anyone listening who was just like, well, I don't have a partner who is going to listen when I try to communicate. Like I completely empathize with that. That's such a hard space to be. And um, what really helped me when we weren't in that place was l leaning on people outside of my um, nuclear family. So whether it's hiring a babysitter or um, friendships, but in my case, I have my parents pretty close by and was fortunate to be able to start leaning on them, whether it was visiting with the kids, but they could entertain and I could just have some quiet time to myself until I got comfortable with asking them to, to babysit regularly. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, that's how I was able to like navigate those really early years and the years that I didn't have as supportive of a partner or a partner who was even around physically. Um, but to even get to the spot where I am now is I had to do a lot of rewiring of my mindset mm. and understanding that I can take time for myself. Um, and these days I have it built in. So like I, I homeschool, so my kids are with me 24 seven usually, but um, I've built in days now that my folks are retired. They take them one day a week. So I naturally have that time. Um, uh, throughout the years, I've started taking dance classes. Like right now I'm doing a pole dance class and what? it's amazing and <laughs> just so fun. Um, and a few years ago, I would have like taken that space for myself, but it's a glorious 45 minute ride into Charlottesville, an hour long class and another 45 minute ride home. And it's just like just being able to listen to my podcasts and then to like move my body in a way that feels so good, just like does so much, so much for me. Like I come home and I am like happier than I usually am and like more patient. Um, but I've had to be really intentional of like, okay, we're going to prioritize this because even like when I, I've gone to schedule my classes. I do find myself like falling into, well, is this going to interfere with this potential kid activity? Not even like something that's completely yeah. scheduled and have to reframe and it's like, nope, we're, we're getting, this is important to you. This translates well for your family in the long run. So we're going to, you're going to keep this spot and you're going to make yourself a priority first. Um, feel like I got off on a tangent. No, I, I love hearing but, the specifics because I think there's so many people that maybe like, where do I find the time or how? And 
you know, I feel grateful that Nick has always been, he's, he's such a good listener, way better listener than I am. I feel like the podcast has helped me listen more instead of just hearing, but he's always been open to like giving me what I need. And I know you were saying your journey with your husband has been a little bit different. Do you think he was motivated to do the work on himself because he saw you doing the work to yourself? Cause I know, you know, you can never change people, but you can change yourself. And I, I always hear that when people see other people changing, that's what motivates them. Do you think like that was part of it or do you think it was more than that? Um, I mean, that would be nice, uh, <laughs> but I don't think so to be honest, and both he and I just like to preface to our listeners, we are very open about the marital problems that we had um, because we've healed from it and we we feel like being open about it and sharing our experience can help other people. But um, to be completely honest, things got so bad that my therapist said, I cannot help you until he is in therapy and working on himself. Mm. And we got to a point where divorce was very much an option and he got scared and that's what motivated him mm. into therapy. And luckily like he synced up with the perfect counselor for him and his, um, his personal work, like he's come light years and like gone so fast. And we also did some couples counseling together, which helped both of us identify our patterns, but also help establish more empathy and compassion for each other. Um, so for us, for him, like things got really bad and that was what initially spurred him into his work. Um, and he, he continue, we both continue with our own counselors and doing self work individually and together as a couple. Um, but I think also for him, he's learned that our relationship is going to be better. He's going to be a better father if he is feeling better about himself and doing that work. And I love that he is so internally motivated. So it didn't start that way. It was very much like the external force, but I'd like to give him credit now is like it is his work is very internally motivated. My work is as well. And that allows us to work together well as a couple and parents. I appreciate um, you sharing the messy and I'm sorry if I was prying too much. Oh, I'm not just... at all. No, we're very open about it. So yeah, it's like, can we start normalizing therapy? <laughs> like, <laughs> like people like, and anytime someone tries therapy that I know and they're like, it wasn't for me. I'm like, it, it's, I, and I don't want to say it's not for everyone. It's like, I think you just have to find the right person. Absolutely. It's kind of like find the right person who styles your hair. It's like, you want to have conversation flowing. You want to be able to like the, the skill and the talent. So it's like, you have to sometimes take your time trying to find that right person. That's just going mm -hmm. to listen to you and provide whatever feedback necessary. But you know, I like hearing you talk about just the self-work and therapy and just that's cool that you guys are open to sharing because I feel like that would be so helpful for couples who feel like I'm hopeless, like mm -hmm. there's no way out, like how do I get my partner to change or how do I change myself? So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so right now in this season of life, what are some things that you're valuing the most? Mm, well, to cycle back, I'm valuing my alone time. Um, truly and valuing being able to I'm, I'm working really hard to get in touch with myself because I do feel like I'm in this kind of period of like I don't know which direction I want to go in lots lots of ways like from a business standpoint from like where we're living and everything so and I, I feel, it feels very much like chaotic and I am a planner in type A, so I don't like feeling this way. <laughs> so I'm working really hard to like try to return to myself so that like the, the messaging of where I need to go is clearer and not quite there yet. But in that practice, it's um, like I said, like I feel like I'm returning to myself, like making the time for this pole dance class that I'm doing. And before that it was ballet, which was really important to me before I had kids and, um, just developing my sense of self outside of being a mom, because for so long, 
mom and wife was, I mean, that's what I was like. I can remember telling my husband, I was like, and I do not believe this currently, like, but, but like, it makes me cringe to think back, but like having been a caretaker and I, I just like, I feel like the thing that I'm good at, at life in life is being your wife. And like, mm-hmm. I just want to be a good wife and take care of you. But that was my everything. Like everything was in that role. And then also like being a mom and that's where I existed for so long. So now I'm really valuing being able to take space for myself and do things that I love. Um, like we're a big hiking family, but I've started going and doing some local hikes by myself so I can just like truly enjoy that process and not, you know, my kids love it, but there's a point where they're like over it yeah, and that takes away from it. So now I can just like go and enjoy that on my own. Um, so yeah, I am really savoring getting to know me and on a separate note, like the next few months I've taken off from attending births because on-call life like really requires me to stay local and being where we are, it's really easy to drive 15 minutes and lose cell service, Mm. uh, let alone like be up in the mountains and everything. So I've taken the next three months off so that I can really savor the warmer weather and do some exploring with my family uh, without having to worry about a, a client going into labor So I'm just, I'm really grateful that I have the flexibility in my work to be able to do that and um, seeing the joy that that lights up my kids' face when I tell them that we're going on an adventure. So I'm just really loving that. Mm. It's weird, like, this is not a question on here, but I'm just thinking, I guess, what would you tell yourself when you just became a mom, if there was like any advice you could oh give your, gosh. your past self, like, you know, one golden nugget, like one sentence that you're like, like, this is what I would want my, my past self to hear. And not saying that you would have been ready. I know there's times where like you can hear it, but you're not ready mm-hmm. to absorb it right in that moment. But is there anything that you would like tips or I don't want to say tips. It sounds so cheesy, but just I don't know, some kind of motivation that it's going to be okay or... Mm. Well, what I would tell myself is to take care of, take care of you first uh, in whatever way. And like, I remember like people, like even when I started therapy and like, it felt really hard to even find a way to take care of myself. So where I started was I got five minutes of coffee out on the porch alone every morning. And that's where I started. And, you know, five minutes, in those five minutes, you know, I barely got to the point of relaxing, but it helped. But until I could build into longer times. And now, like, the rule still is, like, I get to drink my coffee alone in bed while my husband makes breakfast and gets the kids going. so again, I want to empathize with anyone who's out there and is like, how do I take care of myself? But like something as small as take a shower, like find a way to take a shower, whether it's having your baby in the same room with you or leaning on your community and having someone hang out with your child while you do, you take a shower or do take a nap or whatever. Um, like, because Like, it's hard for me to be able to give, like, anything really motivating. I I know. I just was Um, curious. I'm like, I wonder, like, what stuck out the most that you'd be like, you need to hear this. (laughs) For me, like, I I have a highly sensitive child who, I kid you not, like, their main way of communicating was tantrums until close to age seven. And I'm talking day-long tantrums like half an hour we might get a few minutes break and then there's another tantrum and so like (laughs) on top of like postpartum depression there there was that component um and I just remember being really frustrated with people who were like oh the moments are are long but the years are short or just like (laughs) or people who like I had this one friend who I watched this interaction between her 
herself and her child who was around the same age as mine and the child got huffy and like sat down and pouted and but then was over it and the mom came over to me and it's just like see they all tantrum and it's just like you don't get it I feel so alone because like like this is not the case for everyone um so because of all of that it's just like the only thing I can say that is like eventually it does get easier I hope it's not a whole lot of hope to like be in the early years waiting for your child to be seven eight years old and not tantruming anymore but now that I'm on the other side of that it's like it does get easier in that way um there's always going to be challenges but it's not going to be (laughs) I feel like the challenges are not quite as complicated as when you're dealing with itty bitties who cannot communicate or self-regulate in any sort of way Uh, (laughs) that's advice for everyone out there what not to say yes (laughs) just just nod your head and say that sounds hard just empathy over advice at that point yeah so kids are so different so it's like what you see it's just like adults like what you see on the outside it's like we're all icebergs you know you see this little chunk and then it's like so much underneath what you don't know Uh deep down rooted of like what's really going on holy cow Thank you for hearing that. <laughs> I love I love the messy and just that you're just like so real and honest because I know there's a lot of people out there going like shaking their heads like, yep, that's probably mm-hmm. going to be me or that is me. And, and I, need, I mean, I feel like there's so much value in talking about it. It's when people are talking about it, it's usually not for advice unless they're saying, tell me what to do. Yeah. So it's just like, I feel like talking about it normalizes, um, builds compassion and just like, that's what the world needs. Like, yes, you know, being vulnerable has been something I'm working on, but what I, I realized like the connection it brings in helping me heal. I'm kind of mm. selfish in that aspect. When I was going through infertility issues, I was like, I felt really uncomfortable going on Instagram and just like talking about it, but I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. And it was really scary and weird because so many people reached out and were like, I understand. And I'm like, this is just what I needed. I needed like a hug from like outsiders yes. just saying, I'm here with you. You know, you're not alone. Your experience may be different, but it's, I know how isolating it can feel, how debilitating it can feel. So I'm trying to get better at just like, just sharing like the messiness and the beauty and like what real life looks like for some people. And just realizing there's a lot of healing on the other side. Once you get over that hump of just being uncomfortable and getting it out there. Um, Okay. So you mentioned a lot of like amazing habits that you did. And I love how you started small with like self-care and just it's like five minutes here. And I think, like you said, it's like a practice. So you have to build Mm -hmm. that muscle at getting not even physically comfortable, but mentally comfortable with the fact that this is okay, that there's no guilt, there's no shame. This is good for me. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I can see it building more of your mental muscle than it is just like the physical. I mean, I have to write things down on my to-do list. Like certain days is like, okay, you are going to exercise. At one point in my life, it was like, I had to write down shower so that I would remember to check (laughs) off that box. And like, I would feel really good. I'm like, oh, I accomplished this task, but it's also, yes, building that muscle. Like, okay, you need to set aside this time to do X, Y, Z for yourself. Do you have some kind of like journal routine that you do? You said you write or like, what does a typical Mm. day look like for you? And I know every day is so different, but like what are some things that you do to kind of help motivate yourself to make time for yourself, but also do the mundane, you know, like Mm -hmm. to homeschool or, you know, like, what does that look like for you? For me, I'm still a work in progress and trying to uh, develop the routine to get back into some journaling. So I'm someone who's always loved the idea of journaling, even as a girl, like, and I would tape all this wonderful stuff in there and I just wanted like this really interesting journal. Um, But I often will start that process and then fall out of it. So I I go in spurts. I have learned for me that writing is very much therapeutic. So it feels more natural to if I'm honestly like in crisis or feeling some intense emotion to go and write about it. Um, And I'm, like I keep a journal and then sometimes 
will rewrite it later for social media if I feel like it's appropriate to share or could be helpful to someone. Um, I'm trying to get back in the habit of not just writing when I'm having really intense emotions uh, and being able to remember to write down the the lovely parts of my day as well and the funny things that my kids say. So I don't have a really great practice right now. I've been trying to be more intentional about doing it in the morning. Uh, for me, I have wrist issues, so I actually started building up some resentment about everyone who's like, you need a journal, journal, journal. But at the same time, all those sources were saying, but it has to be like a paper journal. Like you have to have that and it needs to be handwritten. Otherwise you don't get X, Y, Z benefits. And then I was getting this from like mental health sources to creative ones and photographers. And I just got really frustrated because writing by hand for me can occasionally be really painful. Mm. And finally like got around with like, okay, like that's just what they're saying. Writing is therapeutic for you. It's okay to open a Google Doc and use that as your journal. Uh, and it's a time saver for, for me as well because I can type a lot faster um, because I have to like, even though my kids are a little bit older, they are not great at like not barging into my room and everything. And there are definitely times where I'm processing and crying and writing. And I'm like, I need some time, like leave. <laughs> but basically I have to like capitalize on that time when it presents itself. Mm. Um, so I'm just now getting back into the routine of trying to write regularly. Uh, the other things where my self-care, like I said, I've been more intentional over the years and building into my schedule. So like the coffee time and also like um, my husband and I have an understanding that after dinner, if I'm feeling tapped out or the kids are extra wild and um, I'm feeling overstimulated, uh, in a sensory sense, like my kids think it's funny because sometimes I'm just like, peace out and I'm gone <laughs> and I'm in my room. And like, sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, we don't have like a really beautiful bedtime routine, but reality is most of the time, like I'm taking that space. I'm in my bed, either reading or writing a show and my kids are being kids and stalling and just like taking longer than they should to, <laughs> to like get into bed. And often these days, because they're a little bit older, they'll stay up reading or yeah. um, playing after their, like, we call it quiet time. It's like, you don't have to go to sleep yet. Um, but they come and they say goodnight to me. Uh, but we've made it okay that I'm going to do that. And my husband's going, he doesn't mind like doing dishes. In fact, like he wants the dishes done. Whereas sometimes I'd feel okay leaving more than he would. But for him, his peace of mind is like not having that cluttered. So he's happy to take that on and to move the kids towards the direction of bedtime. Um, but it's, it's taken a while to like build that in and lots of conversations about what I need and the space, um, that I need. And, you know, I'm actively like trying to build in other ways. Like I had been thinking about hiking solo for a few months before I finally did it. <laughs> I can <laughs> relate like, so much. I had in my planner, I have like a planner that forces me, like it has to give me prompts because mm -hmm. if not, sometimes I'm not really good at like, what do I write about or think about? But um, I had written like three weeks in a row, like, I want to bike around Lake Monticello. Mm -hmm. I want to bike. Like, my dad came and helped us move in. He's like, can I borrow your bike? And he went for the bike ride. He's like, man, that was awesome. And I was like, I'm so jealous of you right now. Like, I want to go biking by myself. <laughs> but it, I, it just happened, like, last week. And it took, like, a month for it to, like, but I kept writing. I'm like, I'm going to bike yes. around Lake Monticello. I'm going to ride That's around awesome. Lake Monticello. But I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, even if you don't it's check it off the first 10 <laughs> yeah. times, like keep putting it there and like setting that intention. But if anyone out there has a romantic bedtime with their kid, can you please like share out? Because does any, does that even really exist? I feel like it's so... On Instagram it does. Oh my gosh. Like Lucille is so crazy. Like we, some days we're in there, right? So my mom, I would say spoiled her with love, like massaging her as a baby. Mm -hmm. So you just have videos of her when she was like... Six, six, seven months on the bed. Like my mom is just like rubbing her yeah. leg and she's just like, nah. so now like she has to be rubbed to sleep, which mm -hmm. is so beautiful, but so exhausting. Yeah. So like, she'll be like, if we stop for a moment, rub me, rub my feet. 
then she'll take my like hand every like, night to my she'll husband. take my hand and like rub there but they're um yeah it's it's so different every day and I keep saying like I'm gonna miss these moments I'm gonna be in here but like mm-hmm. I wish I was somewhere else but I'm like one day you're not gonna want me to rub you <laughs> Uh, but there's something else I heard. I love how you, I know you say the rule is, and I love how you call them rules because you kind of set your own family rule book on like your own needs and wants, which Mm -hmm. I think is great to like label and call out because once it's like you, you voice it and it's like, this is the rule. It just becomes normalized. Like mom's taking time for herself. And I think like your kids seeing that and you like showing them that it's Mm -hmm. okay to be alone and take time for yourself. And that sometimes you're not gonna be able to show up and handle everything so wonderfully I think that's so magical and I feel like I'm in that place now with Lucille where I'm trying to like I go for walks at night just because I'm like I need alone time podcast time um but just voicing that and again not feeling guilty like it's okay my kids see me going away or going somewhere and you know so you're setting her up for success I I hope so I she's my greatest experiment I say like kids are (laughs) yes you know if she's a I don't want to say failure, but you know, if she comes out very messy in adulthood, I'll just blame it on me. (laughs) No, no, but I love that so much how you just create your own rules for what you need and just calling them out. I just think it's so beautiful. Okay. Let me check how I'm on time. Sometimes I can. Okay. Oh my gosh. We're getting close to an hour. Yay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so what are you currently working on right now that you're really enthusiastic about? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like business or it could just be like personal. Like I know you, you mentioned alone time and if that is it, that could be cool too. But I wasn't sure if there's any projects like even in your mental space that are like getting you excited or just ideas. Well, I keep coming back to like the pole dancing, which <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> that is honestly what I'm most excited about. And I've been lamenting that we don't have space in our current home for a pole. And it's just like, because, because it is a bit of a commute in, like, it's harder to do multiple classes a week. I have committed to one a week. I'm trying to do two whenever time allows, but I would like to get stronger and better faster than I am. And it also just like does so much for my mental health. So I've been trying to figure out how to get a pole in our home, but there's just like no space. And the next alternative would be an outdoor one, but it's like four times as expensive. And then I'm not going to use it in the winter. (laughs) So, (laughs) but anyway, you could say I'm really like very excited about that. And like, um, I'm excited about strengthening my body because one thing we talked about before the podcast started is that I have some pain in my lower back and my wrists that I've been dealing with for many years. And I've been going through the ringer with specialists and therapists. Um, and just having so many, uh, people tell me that I'm weak or just like, they don't know what's wrong with me. Like it, it's done damage to like my, just like my, my mental health and my connection with the body. And just like, if someone keeps telling you how weak you are, Mm. like you start to believe it. And so for me, finally, like I, one reason I hadn't done this class sooner because I've wanted to do it for years is one, I legitimately didn't know if my wrists could handle it, but two, it's just like, you're weak. So finally, since like I've been going in circle with care providers, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to a class. I'm going to see how my body handles it. And like, fortunately thus far, like my, my wrists can handle it. My back can handle it. I am like, I have a lot of work to do like with upper body strength and everything. Uh, but I feel like I'm strengthening myself in a really beautiful way. And in a way that feels good to me, like, um, you know, physical therapy parts of it, I liked, but then it just, it gets really boring. I don't think it's sustainable, like mm. to have to do the, the same set of exercises. And for me, the exercise that has always worked, worked for me is dancing. Uh, I just get so much joy from, from it. So, um, I'm really excited about dancing again, moving to music, moving my body, feeling good in my skin and just like getting stronger and, you know, so, and I really love the time alone. 
I think he pole dancing sounds terrifying to me. And I love dancing, but I'm like getting I feel like I'd be so awkward, but I'm trying to do we more things are. that scare. I even wrote a list. I think it was um, one of my friends said, have you ever been outside naked? And I was like, never. And they're like, you've got to try it. So now I made a list of things that sound liberating and terrifying at the same time. Yes. And I'm like, you know, being outside naked, I should put pulling on my list. But I'm like, I feel like I'm just not, I don't know. Like, I think, like you said, fear, like the biggest mm-hmm. thing is like our own self in the way, like we're not good enough or we're weak or we can't do that or it's going to be awkward. And it might be my little motivation to like, do something new and just fight through the awkwardness. Yeah, I, I mean, there were, the, the, my instructor was trying to teach me a move this, this past week. And all I could do was like laugh at myself because I just like, <laughs> because not only is there like strength and physics involved, but it's also like the mental component of how you're supposed to move your body and then actually moving your body. And I just like couldn't get it and talk about awkward, but it's just like, okay, this is fun. And then when you do get a move, it's just like, yes, (laughs) look at me. Like, look, like I'm strong. I'm doing this. I'm like, I'm sexy. And it's just like really satisfying. And on the outdoor naked front, like I can attest from many of the people who I photograph. Like that's one thing that folks are awesome and willing to do with me and they always comment on like how liberating it is and how mm. good it feels and damn it so <laughs> okay awesome find a place and get out there i know it's just like like where do i go do i get I like know. a remote airbnb and there's like do i just stand there do i do yoga do i it's like <laughs> what do i do once i'm out there <laughs> oh love it so much um Okay, so it's, it's been almost an hour. Thank you for... Absolutely, thank you. Um, so what is... We always like to end with quotes. It's more me, just because I love words so much. What is one quote that resonates with you mm-hmm. moment? You know, one that I came across just a few months ago that really like hit me. So like I said, I can be really type A, and I do a lot of research and think about every angle before like making a decision or and taking action and uh, I don't know who said it originally um, but uh, another photographer said something to the effect of (laughs) not making a choice is making a choice so like if you're not making that decision well then you've made a decision to stay where you are and like that really hit me in regards to like bus- my my business and moving that forward, but just also in life because I know I can get so stuck with like weighing out all the options and then feeling overwhelmed. But when hearing it phrased that way, it's like, oh, so I actually am making a decision and I know that I don't feel good in this decision. So mm. like, what's my next action going to be? Um, and usually my inaction is stemmed stems from fear so it's like kind of forces me to face that and (laughs) to to move forward or move I don't know if forward's even the right word but move somewhere down a path before maybe pivoting again I like that yeah it's true I never thought about like just not making decision means that you are like that's interesting yeah, it was a, a shift in perspective. It's one that I needed at the time. Nice. It's funny how certain people say things that the time you need it, and it's just like magic. Uh-huh. It's like, thank you. Like, it's like those couple words or that sentence or that phrase has like completely like benefited my life in so many ways. You don't even know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so at the end of every episode, we like to give some type of like actionable tip or just some mm-hmm. kind of challenge to like push or move you in a direction that feels right for you so if you could give like some kind of action that you think would benefit somebody in a a time that they may feel like stuck or overwhelmed or just mom life is hard or like for any of the above like what would that be um so I'm a big list person and I would say to take some time, even if it's just five to 10 minutes and even if it's after everyone else has gone to bed. So like, don't keep yourself up doing this, but find some time to sit down and actively think about what you need 
from the most basic level to in the grand scheme of things. And then after setting down that list of things that you need, brainstorm a few ideas of how to meet that goal. So uh, coming back to the, how I would take five minutes for coffee. It's just like, you know, thinking creatively of how to get a little bit of time to yourself. Um, yeah, so to break it down in easy steps so that once you accomplish and get in the routine of doing that really simple thing, you can continue to build until you reach the more complex need in your life. But that's small, yeah. And I think like a lot of the times we don't even stop to think like, what do I need right now? Like, what do I need in the big picture? What do I need in this moment? Um, how am I feeling? And okay, I'm feeling this way. What do I need to help me through this? And just like building like that action into your daily practice to will help with overwhelm and also like help you to start taking care of yourself better. That's so beautiful. A needs list. Yeah. I'll have to add that into my repertoire. <laughs> I have so many lists on my planner. It's insane. But I'm like, it's helpful. I swear. It's a, it's a chaotic mess, but oh, I love that. Well, thank you, Maggie, so, so much for driving here. And I'm sorry, before I said mom life, I meant parent life for all the dads listening to. I'm sometimes like in the mom zone. So it's opened everybody. Um, but thank you for being here. And it's so cool you sharing your journey of just like wanting to be in, intentional and purposeful and to be happier. And I love that you shared the highs, the lows, and all the, the realness of life. And um, I hope that it's helpful for our audience out there. I, I mean, I got so much out of it as well. So thank you for taking the time and being here. And it, um, if people want to connect with you or like see your beautiful work or like, you know, maybe hire you for mm -hmm. your wonderful photography services, like where can they find you? Um, so I'm pretty active on Instagram and which is connected to Facebook. So my professional handle is Maggie Williams photo. And I also have my personal one with you get a glimpse into like my documentary work with my family. Um, and that is storytelling dot by dot Maggie, <laughs> uh, storytelling by Maggie. Uh, so you can, I update those pretty regularly and then I have a website, which is MaggieWilliamsServices.com. So, awesome. Yeah. I haven't checked out the personal one, so now I'm going to. I just yeah. saw that on there. I'm like, what is that? I haven't clicked on that yet. <laughs> yeah, it's just a glimpse into our life, and it's almost always purely documentary. There's a few, like, posed portraits, but it that's another way that has really, like, helped me. Like, yesterday I was just scrolling through all of it, and I'm like, eh, you know, this last year was hard, but there's also, like was a lot of joy that I can see in it and yeah all right well I guess we'll end here thank, thank you, you so much. much for having me all right folks so that's going to do it with our interview with Maggie it was amazing we hope you all enjoyed it as well and if you enjoyed this and if you like any of our episodes please do us a favor and help us spread the message you can do this by writing review or simply by sharing this episode with a friend and remember, sharing sparks a conversation, conversation leads to action, and action is how we're able to live a happy and intentional as hell lifestyle. We want to thank you all for listening today, and we will see you again next week. See y'all later.